and it's not a set. It's not a comedy. It's just fun. Get out of your headspace. It's just fun. It's silly. It's warm. And it's 100% genuine. the move i know like last time you and i texted you said you were driving i i heard through the grapevine you recently moved i hope everything's good yeah how do you like minneapolis uh, well i i like living up here except in minnesota do you live I'm in minneapolis I, I live well i actually live in st paul so oh, yeah i've been i've been up there that's fun <laughs> that's nice nice little area yeah i like st paul yeah i'm but i'm finding out that i may have allergies <laughs> to, to, to st paul kind of kicking my butt well, because in Minnesota, there's a lot of, oh man, there's a lot of like parks. There's a lot of shit blown around. Trees and flowers and mm. like. I think I've been in the winter. You know, vegetation <laughs> out here, a lot of pollinators. A lot and of nature. Like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and which, you know, in South Dakota, it's not nearly as much going on. No, as it's. As far as that, that goes, you know, you got farmland and that's about it. But Even enough, know, you have a nice bus to, station. That's all I know. A nice bus station. Nice huh? bus station, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hey, some are some are better than others when it comes to the, the bus stations. I've been to a, a few uh, shady ones in my time. <laughs> Omaha's one is really bad. I've been there a lot. It's just uh, a step away from breaking down. Uh, and this is a weird way of starting the podcast. But yeah, this is Running the Light. I'm Jeremy Plum, and with me is Haley Raven. And on the phone, all the way from Minneapolis, apparently, is a. Uh, Dan Bublitz, host of The Art of Bombing and a great uh, a great comedian. Hey, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you having me. However, I'm in St. Paul. I just told you that. Yes. <laughs> oh. We're going to continue to call that Minneapolis. <laughs> I mean, it's, Minneapolis is the state, right? That's okay. No, Minnesota is the state. the same. I've just been referring to it now. I'm just like, I live in the city. And it was funny. I said that to somebody and they're like, cities. I don't. I was like, the Twin Cities? And they're like, oh, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> so uh, how's your week been going, uh, Haley? Oh, my week has been fine. It's just the same, kind of the same thing on repeat until I get out of school, which uh, will be soon. But a few more weeks of Groundhog Day, and then I can finally move on with my life and not have a job that I don't like. All right. That's kind of that's fun. Uh, Dan, how's your week been going? Anything fun, interesting this week? You doing any shows uh, in the city? Seen any I, shows? I haven't. Not, not really. Not this week. I spent the weekend because uh, I bought a house, too, up in the city. So that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. So congrats. I, um, I'm a homeowner, so I have, Oof. like, homeowner responsibilities. So I did uh, some painting, I guess. My front windows needed to be repainted. So You're an adult I, TM. I did that. It's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> That's been about the extent of my, my week, I guess. I went and watched the show. What'd you That's, watch? I guess that was, uh, I just went and watched a showcase. A friend of mine, Andy Matfield, he's another comic. He puts on a monthly showcase. And uh, a mutual friend of ours that was at Snow Jam, Willie Mack. Yeah. Came to Minneapolis to hang out. So. How's, he, how's he doing? Willie or... But well, yeah, Willie, but also also the host, who's Andy. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, have you met Willie? But you met. Okay, you're talking about oh, Andy. Oh, Snow Jam. Doing, right? I was. Why was I thinking? Yes, but yes, I was thinking a different festival for some yeah. reason. Yeah. 
Well, probably because we did. We met for the Paul Bunyan Comedy Festival. Y- yes, we. That's why I said I met at the bus station with you. We drove for. If I included the bus, I drove for like eighteen hours. Uh, yeah, which to, was insane. Yeah, listened to a lot of Joe Rogan. We got pulled over. It was a good time. It was a good time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, fun times. <laughs> Road trips are always a uh, always fun like that. <laughs> Uh, but Andy's doing great. He just bought a house as well. So <laughs> nice, nice. This week's been kind of fun for me. Uh, I was on a show on Friday. You, uh, Haley was on it too. It was a punk rock show. I think it's called. I literally think it was literally called punk rock with emphasis on pun or some something like that. Yeah, yeah. Pun rock. Yes, yes. I knew it was a pun of something, and I couldn't remember where it was. But it's it's fun. It was it was I loved that show just cuz I loved cool. the music. It was good music too. Hell yeah. And like the crowd was super into it. It was just a fun show. I think it and last, I love Barley Street. Oh, it's such a good place to just I don't be loud. And that's what that show was. It was just loud and fun. So was it just a punk show? Like music punk show? Mu- and comedy. Uh I, Oh, okay. So it was yeah. a, okay, it was a comedy and punk show. Oh, is that uh Tony's show? Yeah, it yeah. is Tony's show and it's it's super fucking cool, man. I loved it. Uh, com- punk rock was in the middle and the end, uh, and then comedy started and went throughout. Uh, and I think everyone there who was a comic had a great set. It was just a fun time. Awesome. Yeah. That's always fun. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of take the reins for a second because Dan, I wanted to do this because your podcast was one of the first ones I did. And it was, it was the first one I like had fun on and that, it's cute. Cause now I get to interview awesome. you. Oh, the tables fun, are turned. Little comedy <laughs> circle of life. Um, what was the name of the album that you chose? That was Robin Williams' uh, "Reality." What a concept! Is that right? That is correct. I listened to that earlier today. I have a job where I I I just go out and I walk around. I'm walking the whole time I'm working, and so I just listen to podcasts or albums or stuff. Um, so I listened to the whole you thing. Dogs for a living? No, um, I. I almost took a job walking dogs and I was like, nah, this is too much responsibility. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Something about walking dogs. I, no, that makes me sketchy. nervous. It gives me anxiety because like I love my dog and I don't trust it. It's not that I'm irresponsible. I am just so horribly paranoid that something would happen for any reason. And I just, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'd, I wouldn't trust someone else with my dog. If I'm not there, like, I don't know why it's again, paranoia. I wouldn't trust anyone with a dog that's yeah. not mine. I trust you know, like two of my family members and then just nobody. I'd, I'd take him with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the same how I feel. Well, yeah, I guess that's one of the, going back to exciting stuff. I got a new puppy. That was. <laughs> oh yeah. I've seen pictures of the little sweet baby. Yeah. Yep. He is. What's his Does name? Does he pee in your house? His his name is Tello. Oh, that's so cute. Short for Donatello, because I'm an '80s baby. <laughs> They're so tiny. Do you have to get those puppy pads? Yeah, we have. It's just like a right big I mean, get, diaper that you spread uh, out on your floor just, <laughs> for tiny dogs. We got pads like training pads, but he's been pretty good about going outside. Oh, that's good. Helps good. That the dog. So, how old I is Tello? Like, Tello is eight weeks. Oh. So, uh, why, what's that? I was gonna say, why did you pick this album? Why did I pick this album? Uh, honestly, I picked it, uh, just because, uh, part of the reason I picked it is because when you asked for an album, I was driving 
And I was like, oh, I have a picture of that album. So <laughs> that'll work. I mean, it was that was one of the reasons so that I didn't have to leave you hanging and, you know, waiting for a couple of days to get back to you. And partly because, honestly, I hadn't listened either. I mean, I had it ready to go sitting on my record player. But one thing oh, so I've been you, doing, like... You have this on I, vinyl? I have this on vinyl, yes. Oh, that's, that, cool. that's And so when I've been doing, like, I'm not really, like... Like, I like music, you know, like most people do. Uh, but I'm not, like, a big, like, go-buy vinyls for, like, music and stuff. But I do like kind of collecting uh, comedy albums. It's well. great. It's it's so, amazing, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, like, when I'm out and about, you know, thrifting or at rummage sales or whatever, and I find comedy albums, I'll pick them up. And I think I was... Uh, I was doing something, and I think it was in Rapid City, actually, where I got this one. But I was just at this record store, and they had some comedy albums, and I picked it up. And I just, I hadn't had a chance to listen to it. So I thought, well, there's a good reason to listen to it. Nice. Whenever I'm bored. So then you did listen to it? I did. Oh, yeah, I did. I actually just listened to it today. Yeah, okay. So we both just listened to it. So it's fresh in our minds. I finished it like an hour ago. (laughs) I had to listen to it in increments i had to take breaks because i think jeremy i think you said this last week it was you or it was one of my other friends like you really like robin williams movies but not really yeah, stand up i don't like this is my favorite i've heard self-destruct appetite no weapon of self-destruction i think was 2008 i've heard live at the Met. i own that one on cassette uh and that's fun to listen to not a huge fan and then this is I heard this one and this one's kind of my favorite, but I don't like his stand up as much. I think because we're listening to it and I'm not there and I feel like I'm missing it. Like, I feel like the joke isn't his words. Sometimes it's him. Yeah. Dan, do you, what do you think about it? Like, do you think that Robin Williams is one of those people? It's better if you're watching him. I think so. I think you have to be there to watch. I I don't think, his humor completely transcends through audio alone because he's, he was a very active performer, you know, like he was very high energy, a lot of stage presence and energy. Yeah. There's a lot of energy there. He probably, when he was doing his impressions, he was also, you know, doing when he was doing the voices and stuff, he was probably making faces to go with it. I had to like that. So there's a lot of visual cues. I think that, were probably that are probably there that you don't necessarily get on, you know, on an audio recording. Yeah, because the audience is just laughing their ass off or heckling and screaming in the <laughs> yeah. back, which is fucking annoying. But I don't. I just scoured yeah. the YouTube because I was trying to see. Was like maybe there's some like weird footage of it to see, just because I wanted to see some of it. Uh, and I get clips and snippets of it, and yeah, it is almost all like he'll put a coat on, he'll have glasses, he'll hunch. It is almost all physical. And I've been thinking about for the last week or so uh, because of a scheduling thing, why I don't like Robin, ugh, Robin Williams' stand-up. And I think it's because you, you've you probably done this, Haley and Dan. Uh, you get this thing in your head where you sometimes analyze the set. You sometimes look at it as like why it's funny because you're writing jokes, or at least I do. I sometimes get into my oh, head Oh, yeah, space. absolutely. You try to try to figure out why people are laughing. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured that I, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. and with, and Especially with, when I'm watching comedy. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's it's because I you don't get to enjoy it. And I think the joy of this is just stepping back. And it's just that 
one, he's creating like a little play, like the little kid kindergarten thing is just a fun little yeah. segment of a play. And it's not a set. It's not a comedy. It's just fun. Get out of your headspace. It's just fun. It's silly. It's warm. And it's a hundred percent genuine. None of it feels like a bit. None of it feels definitely none of it feels rehearsed because it wasn't. And it's just warm. And I think if, if you stop looking at it as a comedy set and looking at it as just like a one man play, and so you might know a little bit about that, Dan, it just turns into well, its own yeah. little thing. He had oh, like a ahead. couple of, he, uh, sorry, he had like a couple of, he was talking about like some, I don't know a better word for it, just like darker stuff, but he was being so cutesy and fun and sweet about it. And I can't think of any, like the, the Reverend one. I like that. I laughed out loud at that. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Oh yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Praise Jessel that we're all here together. Welcome to Reverend Ernest Angry's Disco Temple of Comedy. We're all here tonight because we believe that the spirit of comedy can help us. I know it can, now dear child, you've come so close because you want to be healed, don't you? <laughs> Give me your hand and I know you can walk without that chair. You can do it. Give me your hand. Wait, but first we touch your verse with the magic words of comedy. Take my wife, please. Come on up. She did it. There's almost no form. And I that's what I love. Like everyone's heard the story. Like Robin Williams would sometimes accidentally steal jokes because he was so off the cuff. He'd accidentally use a joke of someone's he heard like the night before. But like listen to this, it's just like everything is in the moment. He has maybe giant swatches of ideas and then just goes. And it's yeah, like the Reverend one is what I thought of of that. Is like it just goes and it it would be a closer in an actual set. This is the middle of a set. And it's weird. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's weird pacing, yeah, but exactly. And that's what. Yeah, yep. And that's exactly how you, how it comes off. You thought it would, you, know, you feel like it's a closer, but it's in the middle of the show. But I also think with him too, I he was a character. You know, what I mean? like he's Robin Williams, but that in itself was like a character. Like he was always on. You know, like and and that kind of energy. You know, I don't know. You don't. You're right where it doesn't feel like stand-up. It just feels like it feels like somebody just doing a more like improv. It feels like a one-man improv show is what it really feels like. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It feels like a one-man improv show. Um, but like, it feels like what someone thinks an improv show is sometimes because it's not like building up to anything. It's just throwing a bunch of really interesting pieces together and then seeing how it rolls. And that's. That's Robin, I think. It's just setting things up and yeah. seeing how it goes and always committing. He's never stopped an idea in his entire set, except for I'm not doing Mork and Mindy shit because this is right after season one of Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely stays committed to a bit when he does it. I mean, and that's, I think, and you have to, you know, when you're doing comedy, you know, if you, if you don't commit to the bit, people are going to see through it and they're not going to find it as funny. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a joke that you're trying to do, if you don't believe in it, the audience isn't either. So you have to commit and you have to go all the way with it. And that's, you know, something that I, I still ain't necessarily as good at as I'd like to be. It's one of them things that you learn over time, I think. But the other thing with him too, like, because he's so like all over the place and like really talks really fast, his rhythm and, and timing and this and that, it's almost hard to listen to just the audio. 
a lot. Yeah, like, that, I know, felt that way too. You see what's going on because he's just like, hundred miles an hour. And it's it like, geez, stresses me out. Either, it was stressing me out, and I had to take a break from it. Yeah, it's like it's almost like either you need to have eight, like ADD to like keep up or or be on coke, which <laughs> he probably was. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was more comedy era. Yeah, he was. What I what bugged me, I think, the most, especially in the beginning, was I've talked to people, and what, before setting up the show, one thing comics would say is looking back in the past has a problem of comedy doesn't age, topics don't age. Sometimes comedy is seeped in the culture, and it's just an impenetrable wall to listen to. And the first eight minutes of this is about some Russian Olympic thing that is conveyed mostly in body language. And I understand none of it because I don't know the history. I don't know what he's doing. It just comes off as eight minutes of noise for a while. Oh, it's absolutely. cute. It's fun. But fuck if I get it. You need that visual element to it. And every visual element on YouTube is just R.I.P. Robin Williams and a bunch of stimbits of interviews with him and Carson. It's like, this means nothing to me right now. Well, and that's one of the things, too, that goes back to, that's like with topical humor. That's why, you know, topical humor only works for a little bit. Eventually, whatever that, you know, the, what we're talking about is in the past. And as generations come up, they don't necessarily get it. You know, and if your audience, if you make a reference and your audience doesn't get it, they're not going to get your joke or whatever. And it's kind of the same thing with old comedy like that. There's certain things that they talked about and, you know, in their standup that just aren't going to go over people's heads because you don't know the, the history. You know? One thing I will say that's it's kind of amazing for, uh, like with George Carlin, I listened to something that he did like in the late 80s now, and it's still like transcended. Like all the social issues he was talking about still apply today, and if not, even more. It was just crazy. What I'm how, hearing like, is we have not made progress as a species. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't. Really. I mean, look around our country right now. We've got people hating people and all this different, you know, we've got a hate monger for a president and we've got fucking, we're killing people at the border and, you know, people starving. We've got uh, no rights for, you know, people and it's just, it's ridiculous. I think you know, so, yeah. You know, society is getting worse. <laughs> I think there's a difference. <laughs> I think there's a difference between I'm not great with words. So bear with me talking about an instance of like X person did Y thing and pointing that out and more of like talking about the event or what the event is. There's a, I was, I was because I got in, I was thinking about Robin Williams. I was looking up stuff on YouTube. I found his 1994 uh, performance at the Oscars performing blame Canada. Don't blame yourself for your son's stand. He saw the darn cartoon and now he's off to join the clan. And my boy Eric once had my picture on his shelf. But now when he sees me, he tells me to f*** myself. Blame Canada, blame Canada. Because when Canada is gone, there'll be no more Celine Dion. Blame Canada, blame Canada. They're not even a real country anyway. And that's just about censorship. It's about censorship of the 90s and about censorship of South Park. If they just did that, it would be very dated. But they talked about the giant swath of 
uh, not political correctness, uh, censorship. And I think that held, holds longer than just talking about like a specific event. And so it's, that's kind of the fine act you play. Yeah. I don't know. It's humor's weird. Plus comedy subjective, you know, it is. like that's the other thing, you know, so what, what certain people like other people probably won't, you know, and, and vice versa. You know, you're, and, and as a comedian, you're not going to be everybody's favorite comedian. You know, there might be one person that thought you were the best comic on the show, but there might be 19 others that thought you were terrible, you know, or vice versa. And it's just you, something that happens. Do you uh, ever watch uh, or you're at a show and you see, actually see it or you're just listening to comedy and you hear it and you're like, you hear a joke that gets a really big, like positive reaction. The crowd loves it. And you're like, that's not funny to me for whatever reason, but I can see how other people really like it. Like you can still acknowledge the oh, humor in it and even absolutely. like appreciate it as a, as a joke, even if you don't like it. Yeah. And I can even, you know, as far as like other comedians go, there are comedians that that I can appreciate what they're doing. And, and that, that doesn't even know, they, mean that they they're offensive. Laugh. It can just be like they're, they, they're fucking stupid or something, you know, like just they have like dumb no, humor and you're like, God, that is so simple and like dumb, you know, and it's so well liked and it's just so, you know what I mean? I totally get what you're saying. I could, and, and this is something for me, like there's, you know, Louis CK is a good example of this where I've never been a big fan of his. You know, like, I I remember um, before I started doing comedy, like when he wasn't, I don't know. I remember, I remember him like right before he got huge was when I started to hear. Like during Hilarious? Like uh, the Hilarious album? When did that come out? I was in high school, so I graduated in 2012. So we're looking like early 2010-ish. I started to hear about him later when I, like, I would say like 2011, okay. 12 is when I started to hear about him. Uh, I will also just say, just because Margie and Rich had been showing me a sign that I didn't understand, the year is 1999, Oscars, not 1994. <laughs> oh, snap. Yes. Um, I thought we were talking for 99 minutes and I freaked out. But no, I, yeah, you were saying, I interrupted you. Well, yeah, so what I was saying is, is that he's, you know, I've never been that big of a fan of his. I thought his material, you know, some of his stuff is funny, but I get why people thought he was so great. I, you know, like you could see the stuff that he, he writes and like he's, he was a good writer and good at performing his material, but I've never been that necessarily been a big fan of his. There was one thing he said in an interview and I just think it's a good quote, like regardless of who would have fucking said it, I would still like the quote. He just was talking about how he writes. He said, every word does something. And that's such a simple statement, but it was like a light bulb moment for me. Like, Oh, you know, don't waste any of your words when you're on stage. Yeah. Also, but I can also like, see like, like what is it about his, uh, humor, like his style or what is it that you don't enjoy? I don't know. I guess, I mean, I think a lot of it is just that, he, a lot of his stuff is just kind of offensive in a sense. I mean, it's well crafted, but I can kind of see through that and yeah. see where he's basically he's he, he basically found a way to do a well crafted joke just to, in a sense to be offensive. Yeah. Yes. 
I can see that. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and while like, I appreciate all a humor and like, as far as like, you know, get why people laugh at certain things or whatever. And I, I don't believe in censorship to each of their own, but I'm not big on like super offensive comedy. When it's like, and that's just whole, kind of the purpose of it. Yeah, exactly. Like to, to it, it, cause then it, it kind of becomes like shock value. That's, you know, shock, trying to be shocked comedy or, you know, that's where they're trying to get the laugh or whatever. Not saying that he was ever shot comedy, but I just, you know, it is not my cup of tea. Uh, yeah, I think there's uh, something to be said about comedy as a performance. I mean, that's what Robin was. A lot of Robin's words maybe were wasted in the sense that they didn't actively contribute to a punchline, but the performance is what matters. And sometimes when, at least when I get on stage, I sometimes forget about the fact that I'm in a sense giving a performance and I'm not just reading a bunch of funny words to some people who are drunk. Oh, absolutely. I, sh- I should also commit, use my body language. I think on a podcast like art of bombing, we talked about Will Doherty loves company. And I said, the reason why I thought I bombed was not only cause I wasn't funny, but I had a friend take pictures of me and my back was uh, tight and my arms were crossed and my back was right up against the wall. And I was just looking around like a scared small dog. Uh And Mm -hmm. I'd realize that a lot of comics just go up there and just say their jokes, but we got to also how you present your jokes. I think I like that quote because I tend I identify with it or it it struck a quote with me because I uh, ramble a lot if I don't. Right. really spend time with what I'm trying to say, I will just waste a lot of time saying shit I don't need to. Right. And yeah, I think wasting, wasting time, wasting words, uh, just being wasteful, I think is just. If you're up there performing, time. that's different. But yeah. if I'm up there like doing new jokes and I don't know them very well. And I ramble about details because I'm trying to be accurate about whatever I'm talking about. I talk about like shit that's happened to yeah. me or shit. I've like just trying giving details that don't matter or contribute to the joke. Just not, Adding. not staying focused on what I'm trying to say and stuff like that. So that quote, it was simple. And I was like, Oh yeah. Duh. Well, I totally it. Yeah, and it and it's true. I mean, it's, it kind of goes with the whole like the you know for writing you want to cut the fluff, you know, cut out the stuff that doesn't isn't helping the joke or the story move along. You know, if there's yeah. no point in it being in there, you don't need it. Like it goes back to where you're you're wasting those words. You know, yeah, yeah every word does count. But then, every you know, yeah. because there's several sets where I don't reach the part that I'm trying to reach. I don't get to the the meat of my set. You know, it's a four minute set and I waste a minute, you know, talking about details that don't matter or getting off, off track. Like that's, I, I, yeah, it screws my whole set. One thing about him is he's not doing a stand up comedy act. You know, right. like that's a lot of, like a lot of comedians are doing an act in the sense where that they're doing, set up punch tag, set up punch tag, you know, like they're they're working on an act. He was a performer. He was doing a performance. Okay. You know, a stand up performance. My question for you two are, are you guys, would you guys consider yourselves performers? And is there a difference? Do you consider what you guys do performative or is it just focusing on the words? Pretty 50-50. Um, it depends on the day or how I'm 
how how depressed I'm feeling. <laughs> do you think about how your body moves when you're performing? Like, because I, well, I do. Will you repeat that. Do you think about how your body moves when you're saying a joke? Because I know, like, I have a radio joke, and I I really do think about like where my feet are, how my back turns, where my head kind of tilts. Uh, but granted, I'm also very anal and, you know, with the OCD, everything's just running a mile a minute, but do you guys think about your body and do you, and Dan, I guess, I guess, do you consider yourself a performer when you go on stage? Well, I'm kind of like, sometimes I'm kind of like, sometimes I feel like a performer, sometimes not. I mean, I'm still, that's what ultimately I am trying to be as a performer and not just going up and standing up and and doing, you know, jokes, you know, like I, and I, I still, even though I've, I, you know, I've been doing comedy for a while, I'm still trying to, you know, learn how to do that consistently. You know, sometimes I'll go to a show and I'm doing a performance. Mm-hmm. I'm putting everything into it, all my energy. I'm moving around. I'm, I'm being in the moment. I'm having a good time. And other times I'm just standing there just with the, mic in my face not doing nothing but talking into the microphone is there a difference in the show quality like do you feel like there's a difference in the show quality oh absolutely i mean you can get and i can feed off your energy and i don't know like i'm trying to get to the point where like every show you're gonna just be as energetic and like in the show as you can you know and and by that i mean having like enthusiasm for being there and having the show whatever um because when you, you know, when you're up on stage and your your energy, you're giving off this vibe like I don't really want to be here because there isn't many people or this situation sucks. The energy can feel it, mm-hmm. or the audience can feel that energy, and then you know they kind of react to that energy. And it, you know, if you if you're being, if your energy is positive, they're gonna react positively. If your energy is negative, they're gonna react negatively. You know. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean, and when I say negative, I'm not talking about, you know, there's comics that do dark humor. That's not what I mean. I mean, you're not an audience member, you know, they can still tell if you enjoy, if you're enjoying what you're doing. Even if, if you want to be there or not. how sad you are. What's that? Like they can tell if you want to be there or not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How do you get into that mindset, Haley? Like if, how do you get into that? I'm ready to perform. I'm ready to, uh ready to go get on stage energy do you or if you do uh there's uh, i don't know uh, what's that dan uh, same question to you for me i how do i get into that i try to i mean like i said i'm not always good at doing it every time i, I don't know i get i'm really good at getting into my head and overthinking things and then that doesn't, that's not always a good outcome that comes from it. So, but one thing I try to do is I try to remember that to have fun, even though you, you're trying to do it professionally and you, and it's a job and there's like certain things that you need to do to be professional and treat it like a profession, you still got to have fun because if you're not having fun doing this thing that you supposedly love, then what's the point of doing it? Right. And so, I've been trying to really grasp that idea and keep that in my head and just have fun. You know, I did an open mic a couple of weeks ago um, and they gave me more time because there was only a few comics that showed up for the open mic, but it was in Rochester, Minnesota at Goody's comedy club. And there was like maybe 
five. It was like six audience members. And I think with comics, there was probably total of 12 people in the room, you know, because there was only like five or six comics. But I just decided, you know, like I, I had to remember, I was like, okay, so there's only a few people here. You know, a lot of comics bring that up. They're like, oh, well, this room's empty. And they try to make jokes about it. And they, you know, elephant in the room or whatever. And I was like, you know what? You just got to go have fun. Right. Make the best out of this time that, that you have up here. And and I had a really good set. I was really loose. And I just had fun. And even my friend that I went to the open mic with afterwards, he's like, I think that's one of the best sets I've seen you do since you moved up to the cities. You know, because that's where, you know, we... I haven't known him that long, but he was like, that was like one of your best sets. And it was only for a handful of people. And it's because I was just like, got to have that energy, how to be enthusiastic and just have fun. Yeah. I know for me, how I get into that is, and this is going to sound kind of boy scouty is no matter the show, I kind of have to take a minute, check where I am and also realize that I'm kind of happy and grateful to just get a chance to go up on stage and not think about anything else, but just, I do this because I like making people happy off and on stage. I just want to make sure that I'm making an impact and making people's days a little bit better and going up on there and just telling a quick joke and doing that is all I ever wanted to do and remind myself just of that small moment. And then I can go up stage and no matter how many people are there and just have fun. And when I don't think about that, I get in my head, I get depressed and it just comes off as bleh. Uh, Haley. Uh, what do I do? Well, I don't know. I can't always pull. I don't know. There are times where my energy on stage is really low. And, uh, if I'm really struggling with depression, which, which it sounds awkward to say it, but fuck it. We're yeah. who cares. Like I was on fast and fresh last night and I just, I'm just, I just kidding. I'm just having a rough time. And when I feel like that, I just can't get into a rhythm because I just don't feel good because every time I go on stage I want to be a professional and all that but like there is always a part of it that's genuine right. energy do you fake it can I don't know, you fake Jeremy it? do you can you <laughs> for five minutes yes but um it's not it's like fake sugar and real sugar you know okay well anyway I like to perform and I'm still a young comedian. I don't want to, you know, give myself an excuse or anything, but I'm still learning a lot about comedy. I just think you're always learning in comedy or, you know, you should always. And, uh, I love to perform. I love, um, one piece of advice I've gotten from a couple other comics is just slow down and enjoy your time on stage. Like you just said, have fun because, a lot of times I will rush through my stuff too quickly, not just let it marinate or let the punch sink, or I don't use t timing the way I want because I don't want to lose the audience. I'm like, oh, they're laughing. I don't want to lose right. them. Keep talking. I guess what I do to get excited about going on stage if I'm feeling shy, I just love comedy so much. And I, like you said, just having fun is a huge part of it. Don't take it too seriously. Like I just want to 
be myself. I'm a lot less aggressive on stage if I'm comfortable. If I'm comfortable on stage, I have a great time and my sets typically go pretty well. So I just have to do things that are going to help me feel comfortable, which if you have like depression and anxiety and shit, it's just not always easy to do that. Like there, there's part of my brain that I don't think Part of, part of me thinks that I don't deserve to feel confident and I don't deserve to enjoy anything or feel good about myself. Yeah. And so just taking deep breaths and honestly not thinking about myself and just being in the moment and enjoying what I'm doing. Cause like Jeremy said, this is literally all I've ever wanted to really do. I remember lying to adults when I was a kid. They'd be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I know you don't really believe in me, so I'll just say something to get you off my back. And I'd be like, a teacher. When in real life, I was like, I want to be a comedian. (laughs) But don't tell people that. (laughs) I remember telling 18, no, sorry, 21, I told my mom I want to do comedy. She was freaking out. She's like, get a real job first and then do this. And, uh... Yeah, it's just a weird thing to tell people that you want to start doing this. Uh, well, it's like I have a bit, I have another like I have other stuff that right. I'm interested in. Like I I love comedy, but I also uh, I have another job where it's like, well, yay! Now I don't have to be like piss poor while I do comedy, and I also like that job. It's not hooking. I just I still think don't it's dog walking. What it actually is, because if anyone actually it's not listens, hooking, it's uh, but it's stripping. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I am too much of an introvert to be a stripper. I'm not, I, I have, I have done sets at strip clubs. I've done comedy at strip clubs. I do not have the patience or the customer service skills for that type of work. Can, can I ask a question? I don't. Can I ask you a question about that gig? Cause I've always wanted to do a set of a strip club because when that show started, it was only on that show for at the strip club was only on for like a little bit. And I wanted to go for the same reason why I love doing open mics with music. Oh, you would have just shit. You would have shit. You would have had an anxiety attack. Yes, yes. You would have yes. been so upset and they, not handled it well at all. Do they pay all. attention to you? Like the crowd. Do they pay attention to you? Because I feel like. They were confused about why my clothes were not off. They came there for a different reason. They didn't understand why there was a woman talking at them instead of doing booby stuff at them, which those girls were fucking rad. I love strippers. I I, love the phrase booby stuff, by the way. It's something about that. It's just just the perfect description. Okay. Okay there, big shooter. Calm down. Wipe the drool off. I just think of like a giant neon sign that says booby stuff. Yeah, like yeah. a little. Yeah. We're both just down. like, eh. <laughs> all right. Anyways, anyways. I don't know about Jeremy do. talking about booby stuff. It's okay when Haley does it, but I don't know, Dan. What do you think about booby stuff? <laughs> Boobies are great, and I think they that's are. Why everybody they are. Them. Uh, I appreciate a good and joke and, and good boobies. All boobies are good boobies. Should we just fill the rest of the time with just, should we all take turns saying boobies? Oh, that, fuck, that makes me laugh. That's so funny. <laughs> like a good joke and I like a good booby. That's a cup. That's a cup. God, you sound like a little Futurama character. You sound like. Can we just go back to high school here? Oh, now? We're yeah, all like, like a child. Like, I feel like we're a couple of adolescents <sighs> on the phone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. There's nothing better than like a good just boob joke. I don't, there's nothing. 
It's a fun, making fun of a word is fun. You I'm, both have nicer boobs than I do. I that that, was, that was a dumb I, joke I, that I, ruined everything. Because <laughs> they know it's not true. I mean, they I don't have to them. see us to know that's but, not true. Yeah, that's fun. But my whole, my last name is actually uh, Booblet. Booblet. So. Is it Booblet? I didn't want to say that when we met at the festival because I didn't want to be an asshole and like say the wrong name. So I went Bublets. Well, I didn't want to be an asshole and correct you. <laughs> So I just been I was an asshole and corrected you on what town I lived in. Oh, booblets like boobs. We were just talking conspiracy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always yeah. say bublets. It's just because you're so cute, like little bubble, like little like little bubbles. Uh, so oh, I've heard it all, but it, yeah, I'm actually boob lip. That's the name, and that's so a I'm, great name. There's not an O in there, but booblets. So I have a quick I have a quick question about the album. One thing I noticed is it's just about a lot of the times when he's talking to an audience, especially that one fucking annoying heckler. Uh, Which heckler are you talking during, about? Are you someone who hates anytime anyone talks no, during any set? No, I don't hate it. Uh, but when it's over and over again, it's clearly they want the attention. They want to be a part of it. Uh, and that's yeah. annoying. Yeah. Um, during the Reverend, that there's one guy in the back or even during the Shakespeare one. when He's he kept, like, oh, this is about me now. It's like, no, it's not. Shh. <laughs> but what he did is, and I've... There's a difference in like different types of heckling, I think. Uh, there's the heckler where you address it and you go, fuck off. Everyone, look at this guy. This guy's a bad guy. Everyone laugh at him and you're done. But Robin does it differently. He kind of just points the weirdness of like the heckler or people walking up to him. And it's just about the weird, like this is, we comedy's weird. You're listening to me talk and you can't talk to me. It's <laughs> weird. It's not normal. And he addresses it. And I think that's way more fun. It's all right. You want to kiss me? Yeah. You want to share my diseases? <laughs> a kiss for you, my cat. Hey, I want to kiss you too. No, no. That'll be extra. No, no, no. Sit down, son. You're getting overzealous here. The boys is coming out of the closet right here. But that's all right because comedy says better late than never. I've had hecklers where I've had shows where I've made fun of the room. Like I said, uh, this looks like a place where you have a second rate quinceanera. And then the owner looked at me and was like, that's funny and true. I went, thank you. <laughs> uh, or I've just made fun of the place and that's always fun, but it's, I don't like attacking audience members. Dan, how do you deal with hecklers? Cause I don't experience it very often and I'm just kind of waiting for the first time. It's really bad. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's situation to situation. I, I mean, mean, I suppose, yeah. It, it depends on what, you know, because there are different kinds of hecklers. Sometimes there's a there's a heckler that uh, isn't intentionally heckling. They just, like, have a, a situation where you say something funny, and they just, an automatic response is to repeat what you said uh, yeah. and laugh or something to that effect. You know, they're not trying to be an asshole. Well, they I just, don't really count like that a, a lot of the time. No, that's I guess, fine. When I say heckling, I think of someone being an asshole on purpose. The worst? Well, and like I said, even for that, it's still kind of situation to situation. You know, I try to address it. First, I just like, you know, you try to call them out or whatever, but try to be as polite as possible because that's the thing. Like, you, you got to be careful when you, you're take, you know, trying to deal with a heckler because you can be, as a comic, if you're really mean to them, you'll lose your audience. Mm -hmm. But 
if they're being a real big jerk or whatever, and you, you can you can put them down comically but still politely, yeah, you, yeah. you win the audience. You, know, so you really have to kind of see where your audience is with that heckler too, because if they're annoyed with the person and you shut them down, and even if you're a dick, you're a hero. If they're not necessarily, if they're like, wow, you didn't really need like to be that then, <laughs> right. Exactly. Then they're like, oh, you didn't have to quite, you know, you didn't have to be a jerk. And then they don't want, then, and then you lose your audience, then the rest of the show, you know, and if that happens like in the weird. middle of the show, yeah. I'm so meek and so like, scared that whenever hecklers do come, I just, I freeze up a little bit. I did a show for five people, one guy on the right, four that were clearly all friends. One guy, the guy on the right was clearly drunk and got up and said, Hey, can I buy you for a beer? And he did. He bought him all a beer. And came back and I started doing my set. I do my suicide jokes. Guy walks up on stage, comes up to me for a hug and says, hey, man, I have dark thoughts, too. And I take a step back, put my hand out, went, that's really great. Sit down, shut the hell up. And the four people that just got a beer from this guy did not like that. And I had no other. And I just lost the set the entire for the rest of the time. That's yeah. something to I would have just been like, I would have rolled with that. I just too afraid. I was, I was like, I want you to leave me. I don't want you to, you're in my state. This is my, I'm scared. This is, this is a no, no area. I want you to take a step back, sit down. Cause I don't know how to address this, this confrontation. I would have just asked for a beer too. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd have been like, when he got up and was like, you guys want a beer? I would have been like, yes, I'll take a beer too. As long as you're going that way. As long as bring as- me one too turn the situation into a fun thing and you don't have to be like, you know, super mean or, or whatever. And in that situation, his friends probably would have laughed at that, you know, right. people that he was with, yeah. you know, they would have been all into that. Yeah. Granted, this is also the so, person that uh, I was telling Haley yesterday, someone kept asking me, is there anything I can do for you? And for the fourth time, I just like purposely avoided them because I was afraid of upsetting them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like though, like with, the, the, you know, there are some people that are just assholes and you have to just be an asshole back. But in a lot of a lot of hecklers, if you just politely ask them to be quiet, explain what's going on. And actually, one of the coolest things I ever saw, I was doing a show in San Diego. We were on uh, Marine Training Base and uh, we were doing a show in the lounge or whatever. And there was like maybe 12 to... 14 people there. It was literally one party. They were, they were the audience. Like it was a bunch of guys and kind of the dates and through the whole show, they were heckling and being rowdy and not intentionally. You know how people are assholes, but not intentionally. They're just trying to have fun, but they just don't get that they're being a dick. Yeah. Yes. Don't under, they just, it, it, that part just, flies over their head. That's how it was where they weren't, they didn't realize how much of a dick they were being. They were just trying to have a good time and be involved in the show. And they heckled playing with everybody and people like addressed them. And basically they made the show about them. Well, then the last time I went up, he went on stage and he sat down on the chair on the stool and he basically just looked at them all and said, you guys are the worst audience I've ever seen. You're not doing your job. You're doing a terrible job. Are you doing a terrible at your job? You're like your job is to sit here and laugh and clap and enjoy the show as each of these performers come up 
but all you guys have been doing is talking and being asses and like you just straight up put them in their place like a school teacher. <laughs> I was gonna say like yeah, he's about to take away like five minutes of recess. Yeah, and very he, disappointed he, in you, class. <laughs> yeah, he basically that's exactly he did. Basically said, "I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. You were a terrible audience." And called them out. And then they were like, whoa. And then he did his set. It's fucking destroyed. Jesus. And they didn't really get, you know, they didn't really heckle. And they, they enjoyed the show. And they paid attention. And it was amazing. I think my least favorite type and, of heckler that I've encountered is just the too drunk person who keeps bellowing nonsense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And those are sometimes and there's like not much you can do about that. Yeah, and like, they're not even trying so to be involved. Drunk. They are just too fucking drunk. You know what I mean? And that's where you hope that the venue or whoever's running the show asks them to leave, you know? I mean, or talks to them because there's not much you're going to be able to do in that situation. Yeah. I, I want to add, though, too, with, when I, Trenton did that, the one thing that was very important about that is he didn't go up there and he wasn't an asshole. He wasn't snarky. He wasn't a jerk about it. He was very polite. And he basically just talked to them like a human, like an adult conversation. Yeah. And yeah. that, I think, and that was what's important about that because that's why him doing that works. Yeah. You know, he didn't go up there and he wasn't like, oh, you guys are a bunch of fucking assholes and had a bunch of like mean attitude and negativity towards them. Yeah. He just, sat down casually and talked to them like adults. He didn't attack them. At the end them. of the day, they were, all, they were all adults. Yeah, he didn't attack them. He wasn't aggressive. He was just very polite and just reasoned with them. And, and it worked. And polite doesn't mean like, oh, excuse me, you can walk all over me. That's not what polite means. It you isn't? Know? No, absolutely not. Like a lot of people hear polite and they think that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not polite. Polite just means, you know, like in that situation, it was talking to them like adults, not being, you know, not attacking them, but pointing out their flaws in a, in a response, in an adult way, you know, mm -hmm. essentially. And that's the same like with most hecklers. They don't always realize they're heckling or disturbing the show. And if you can politely point out what they're doing, a lot of times people are like, oh, shit, you're right. I am being an ass. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then show goes on, you know? Yeah. So Haley, Dan, I kind of want to ask you guys while jumping into the third part of this podcast, what do you to take away anything from this album to kind of help yourselves out? Like something you can learn from this uh, album. What would it be, Dan? Well, then I will never be Robin Williams. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> because I do not have that kind of energy. I think the one thing you can take away from it, though, as for like learning is how doing act outs can mm -hmm. really help show um, and uh that's, i mean that's pretty much what he was doing i will say one of my favorite parts though of this album was when he was doing uh i forget which he was doing a character or whatever but he was doing a character in a foreign language the russian and thing, then, yeah yeah and then he was like reality i just said reality what a concept you know where he did actually said the title of the album i did enjoy that yeah uh, Haley, what can you what do you think uh Loosen up on stage more is probably what I take from it. And that doesn't mean like be disorganized, but just have fun. Yeah. Don't be so worried about what you're doing that you don't read. You, you know, you don't pay attention to what's going on around you or really what you're doing because you're too busy being anxious about yourself or some something like that. 
Dan said it too. Don't take it too seriously. Remember to actually like have a good time while you're doing it. Yeah. I think my thing is just commit no matter where the bit's going to go, just commit to it and don't give up. Cause I know I've had a history of sometimes dropping a joke halfway through. If I don't feel like it's working, just have the confidence uh, to run through with the joke till it's end until it ends and don't waver. And sometimes also just animate, take stock in how you're standing, how you're moving. And that does a lot to make a show a little bit more presentable. And I guess going into the third bit, I have some, just some quick questions uh, for you, Dan. Like your first one is, "What's your favorite joke that you say?" I hate all my jokes. Fair, no, it's, I get it. <laughs> I've heard your set. I understand. Yeah, I, I, why? Why would I? Why would my own jokes be my favorite? That would make me so conceited. Is there one uh, that you love performing the most? Yeah, one of my favorite jokes is I have a joke about basically being a sweater dress, and so it's, it's just a silly joke, and it's funny. I, and it's true. I think I remember that one. That's a that's a fun one. Uh, what is your, what's like the weirdest open mic experience you've ever seen? Oh my god, I don't know that I can answer that question. I've seen so many. You know how many open mics I've been to? Like ten. I, you know, I <laughs> yeah, ten open mics. That's that was a good guess. Probably that just you know in L.A. one night. But <laughs> think one. Okay, this is I've seen a guy do comedy in a furry costume. And oh, wow. That's a slam dunk on what I was going to say. Like a, re- like a, like a legit fur costume. Did it look like an expensive one? Like legit, like expensive. In fact, he always said that. The like I got the animatronic tail. Otherwise I wouldn't feel complete. Yes, the lady, <sighs> the lady that made the costume was actually paying him to do wear it when he performed. So he said like she sponsored him. What but was the persona? He was also not a very good comedian. What was it? And what did it look was, like? Wolf. Tell me what it wolf. looked like. Is it a wolf? It was like a wolf. It was like a like a fox type wolf and it was red. A lot of the reason it didn't work, like it could have been funny, but he wasn't doing comedy as the furry, right? He was doing comedy as himself, but he was in a furry costume. So was like he confident? No, not no. enough. That, like he was talking about growing up and his parents and this and that, and it just it just doesn't work when you're wearing a ridiculous You're not costume. talking about the fact that you're dressed as a fucking fox. See, here's the thing. I, exactly. I'm the reverse I mean, of that. Telling people, other, than, other than telling people he was getting paid to wear it. Like that was, oh. that was about the only thing. And that was more him just trying to plug her costume shop or whatever. But in that situation, if he was doing a character like that furry as a stand-up comic, and he had like a backstory and he was doing jokes about growing up as a furry or something like that. It could have been hilarious. Like there was potential to do that. And I even told him after the fight, I was like, you should, you know, you need to be writing about this. He's like, yeah, but I want to talk about, you know, my life. And I'm just like, well, then stop wearing the costume. Yeah. Because that's not, it's never going to work. I'm like I said last time I had this. Watch question. the next frame is just the furry <laughs> suit walking out onto like fucking Conan or something. Just waving it. That furry is a tight five. And then I officially retire from comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told Haley about the guy. You're like, don't say that. Right don't put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> My, okay, so I mentioned this before. There's this dude around here once in a while who shows up just like in a fucking full black spandex bodysuit. Like, it's just the head and everything. So he looks like a shadow running around. Oh, God. It's actually I mean, frightening. It's frightening. <laughs> We had, I had a guy in a chicken suit, like a cart, not like a furry, 
Um, but it was like a Halloween chicken suit. And I was on the reverse of this where he, he did only chicken jokes, like chicken crossing the road, laying an egg. Uh, I didn't, I didn't care about that. You know what I wanted? Cause he had like a fake bottle of scotch, a play cigarette. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Don't even address the chicken suit. Go the entire time. We think we're weird for focusing on the chicken suit. I want to see that. It'll only be funny ones, but I wanted that instead of focusing on the chicken suit. Oh my God. I was in. I did that one time at a show where I was in a, something similar to that, where it was like the theme was, uh, the show was called performing under the influence. And the whole point is what you did is you, you did a set sober and then you, <sighs> got under the influence of something and then you did another set. Oh my God, I want to do that. fucking fun. We did, uh, and this was the Christmas show, so he asked us to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. And so, first one I did, I went up there, did my set, whatever, then the second, you know, when I got drunk, come back. And what I did is I painted an ugly Christmas sweater on my body. And so when I went up to my set, I took off my other ugly sweater and just hung it up. And was doing comedy without a shirt. Like Mitch that Roger, that shit. That's like some and, 2002 Playboy Mansion party shit. Yeah, and I totally did not, like, address it. Like, that was the whole point. Like, and it was funny, too. At one point, I did finally have to address it, just because I had to stop. Because everybody had their cameras out, and they were trying to take pictures. <laughs> and finally, I was like, <laughs> so, But I never made any reference about wearing the sweater. Uh, and it was actually pretty funny. I just did my set normally. <laughs> and the last question I have for you is, Dan Booblitz, why do you tell jokes? Why, well, why do I tell jokes? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, you also do one-man plays. You do podcasts. You do a lot of stuff. Like, what? For me, I guess, I don't know. I, I love comedy. I mean, that's, I love being on stage. I love feeling the energy. Uh, I love making people laugh. That's really what it boils down to. What I'm hearing I mean, is you can't dance. And I can't dance. That's very true. Have you seen me? We went dancing? How do you know that about me? <laughs> I think it's the fact that we've not seen you, you dance. On me? I'm one of those dollar a minute psychics <laughs> that they oh my God. advertise late at night on like Comedy Central or yeah, whatever is. channel. Yeah. Is it Comedy Central? Comedy Central. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Dan, where can people find you? They can find me. Hiding in a mountain, far, far, far away from the land of the living. Uh, or they can just go to social media, mm-hmm. and I'm at Dan Bublitz Jr. And my last name is spelled B-U-B-L-I-T-Z, not B-O-O-B like it's thou. At Dan Bublitz Jr., Instagram, Twitter. But the best place you can probably reach me at is through my website, danbooblet.com Do you have any other projects that you work on? I'm well I've got some stuff out there. I've got uh, my one man show. It, it was supposed to be a love story. It's uh, it also it, it's a show that features both my stand up comedy, some of my stand up comedy and my poetry. It's a, it's a story about a relationship that I was in that went south and that's available on Amazon Prime. Uh, to watch. It's also available as an audio CD on uh, wherever you you know find these audio these days, whether it be Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, Pandora. Best way is to purchase it directly from my website. You can find it there. Uh, it's available for purchase for downloads. And yeah, and then I 
you know, I've got live shows, which are all on my website, danbovis.com. And you also host an awesome podcast called uh, The Art oh, of Bombing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I have so many projects. Yeah, and then I have the podcast, The Art of Bombing Podcast. So, yeah. And then I'm working on, and I'm not, I haven't decided on a launch date, but I'm working on another podcast, uh, kind of a true crime podcast called The Red Prairie Podcast. Hell yeah, man. I can't wait to hear that because Art of Bombing is a great podcast. Can't wait to listen to this new one. Yeah, well, this will be very not the Art of Bombing. <laughs> Figured, yeah, <laughs> well, no. Course. It bombs, and then it'll be a story for the art of bombing. <laughs> that'll, be a, that'll be a fun one to listen to if that ever happens. But uh, Dan, meta. <laughs> um, you can find me at Red Shoes Plum on Twitter, and I think that's the only thing I use. And I, I do this podcast. Uh, Haley, oh, I'm good. That's fair. I was like, ah, uh. <laughs> she's like, don't, don't follow me. Right, I don't, I don't want. All this is going to do is get creepy men to follow me, hoping that I'll do something with boobs. Oh. And we don't do that. <laughs> See what I did there? I called it back. Yeah. Bam! All right. So proud of you, Dan. <laughs> so proud of you. Uh, <laughs> growing up right before our eyes. Um, Dan, Haley, it's been a pleasure. And uh, this has been Running the Light. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.